0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. It's
1: my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, our mission to serve and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. In today's episode, I'm going to start out smelling the trash as I hear about how I stink. And later, weddings are coming back in big numbers. One thing I want you to do before you tie the knot is to make a plan for merging your money. I'll give you my suggestions for financial harmony. So you expect harmony in your heart from the advice I give. But if there are times that, well, you don't love so much what I have to say. That's why we have clark.com slash stinks, where you can let me know where you feel I gave lame advice, bad information, or was just clueless. And so you just post on clark.com slash stinks where you felt I let you down or could have done a better job. And then Krista looks through your posts and shares highlights with you right here on the podcast i should have never encouraged you to speak you must think i'm pretty stupid you should be
0: ashamed of yourself well maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong
1: maybe you're right pal
0: all right clark a couple about this your review of the citizen app was super stinky you completely glossed over the red flags around the company The CEO personally pushed a $30,000 bounty for the wrong suspect in the California fire, which was located near his home. The previous version of this app, Vigilante, was banned from the Apple Store for promoting, you guessed it, vigilantism. The jury is still out on Citizen. They are searching for a profitable business model, and that makes me feel anything but safe. Tamara.
1: Tamara, as I may have told you when I talked about Citizen, I didn't like it. And after the free trial period, well, I did not even make it through the free trial period. I shut that app down in my life. And Krista very much disagrees with me on this and really likes Citizen. And what is it about it that you like so much? Because I found it to be something that um, I didn't like having at all. Well, I don't like that it's expensive,
0: but I do like that when I'm in a new area, when I was traveling recently, it told me when there were some incidents nearby um, that I should know about, and so I'm just, i it's a safety thing for me where I feel like it's its an added layer of protection, but I know it's not for everyone for sure.
1: I definitely don't want people to be engaged in being vigilantes. Uh, that is completely different than if you were a witness to violence occurring to another person at a time, and you have the courage to step up to try to protect that individual. That's very different than engaging in uh, trying to be Wyatt Earp yourself. And the Citizen App, what, right. uh, the reason that I was turned off by it was I felt that it created way too much perception and drama About the possibility of crime, and made your perception of crime much more severe than it really is. And as I said when I talked about Citizen before, we do have an increasing crime problem in our cities, our suburbs, even our rural areas in the country. We have had a cyclical upturn in crime that started approximately, I guess, three years ago, and intensified during the cycle of the pandemic and we're having a lot more people who are being shot, who are being knifed, and sadly, who are being killed, um, and we got to get our arms around this crime, but the app didn't work for me. You may love it. Tamara despised it, and I guess that's free market. It's 20 bucks a month to be able to track all those supposed crimes.
0: I listen to the podcast almost every day. Today, you said that employers who wanted their employees to return to the office or workplace following a very long shutdown were inflexible control freaks. You said they did not trust their employees, and this is why they were calling them back. Although you're entitled to your opinion, it's a bit strong to judge all employers that you disagree with. I work at a university where interacting with students, parents, and faculty is valued. This is hard to do on Zoom. Work from home may be great for your team, but it does not work for everyone in every organization. Most employees at my university like interacting with the campus community. Please hold the judging, Jerry.
1: Jerry, you are 100% correct that I painted with too broad a brush. I was focused on some stuff that I had read and heard about certain employers that were ordering back workers into their cubicle farms that were' not really about interacting with others, but just to be able to uh, be able to lord over their workers. In a university setting, in a high school, in any education setting, we lost a lot in this country with students, faculty not being able to interact in person. Zoom was no substitute. It was not adequate. And so you're totally right. And the way I uh, talked about people being ordered back to work was really too narrow and not well explained.
0: For the best military charities, I think they're talking about an article we have on Clark.com. Why is there no mention of the USO? Donation use is visible worldwide at USO centers and shows. Emily.
1: Emily, I, I just must apologize again um, after just apologizing about the back to work thing. And the USO is considered to be a great organization serving military personnel, and it was just an omission.
0: You've put your blinders on when it comes to home alarms. Wherever, whenever you get a question from someone who has a house with an existing alarm system, the only option you offer is a do-it-yourself system. A few years ago, we bought a house, with a system we called a smaller regional alarm company and they replaced the board of the existing system and added a cell phone connection all for about two hundred dollars they were able to use the rest of the existing system including window and door contacts glass breakage sensors smoke alarms sirens and keypads monitoring is sixteen dollars and ninety five cents a month with no contract it is easier than self-install and the sensors don't require batteries for larger houses it's probably cheaper too Greg in Houston.
1: Greg, you did it just right. You were with a company that is one that charges massive prices per month for monitoring and ties people to ugly long-term contracts. By switching to the local provider that you switched to, you had that cheap cutover where you took out the proprietary stuff from the ugly national alarm company. They put in a new board, They were able to take over the monitoring. $16.95 a month is a great price with no contract. And what you did is a great, great alternative.
0: I wanted to suggest to the caller who asked about parking far away at work that she could consider an electric scooter to ride between the car and office. At a few hundred bucks, it'll be cheaper than a year of parking. Alex.
1: Alex, I love that suggestion. I, I love the electric scooters. I have one that folds up and I've used it in situations where parking is expensive. I pull it out of the trunk of my car and I ride the remaining distance on the scooter if it's too far to really reasonably walk. And uh, these things uh, were very present in a lot of cities for the pandemic. They're starting to reappear as rentals, but I actually own one and uh, my son has one as well, and it is a great alternative to avoid high-cost parking.
0: On a recent show, you mentioned how the restaurant business will change with less server interaction, and I hope that you're completely incorrect. As a family who would like to celebrate at a fine dining establishment for major events, graduations, birthdays, and anniversaries for our family, typically parties ranging from 12 to 20, we love the server interaction and stories we share. We want our normal way of life back. No robots as servers, please,
1: Tim. Tim, I love what you love, too. I love that human touch. And it is something There will still be establishments that are able to do so. But we were at a restaurant just this past week, and they were short four people. They had three people working the restaurant. They were so unbelievably stressed. And this is a problem across the restaurant table service industry, except for the ultra-expensive restaurants. They're having trouble attracting and keeping enough restaurant workers. And maybe I'll be wrong, and this will correct over time, but demographics in some ways can be destiny And it is going to be hard with an aging population to have enough people available that are interested in working, doing table service in restaurants.
0: You know what stinks? Wet noodles. And that's what you're doing when you don't apply rational thinking on when to tip someone because we're afraid to offend them, so we pay them off. My father worked as a waiter most of his life in Chicago, so I'm very sensitive to tipping. My rule is based on what type of minimum wage the employee falls under. First, they only may receive a tip if their job falls under the wage classification of tipped employee. Next, find out for your state how many employers are required to make up any shortfalls for their tipped employees. They are required to make sure the employee earns $7.25 an hour if they are on a $2.13 hourly tipped wage. If the state's method doesn't have high enough standards, like California, and most don't, then maybe tip it will depend on the next criteria if you know how much the business offers starting tipped employees and it is above the minimum wage of 725 by whatever metric you think is reasonable then don't tip example a starbucks employee earning 15 dollars an hour in the next two to three years will not get tipped by me they're raising wages across america soon Tipped employees are only tipped to get their wages up to federal minimum wage level. But if someone thinks the Fed level's too low or the employer isn't going to make up shortfalls, then tip them. Tipping is a balance of the service and their need. Art.
1: Art, thank you for that um, really well-thought-out post about tipping. And something a lot of people aren't aware of is that there are a number of states where smaller establishments are not subject to the seven dollar twenty five cent federal minimum wage, even for non tipped employees. Uh, there are states that have, particularly in the southern states, that have minimum wages substantially below the federal seven twenty five an hour minimum wage, and so those employees survive on tips. So. This is, this is a rough and tough one, and part of the tipping is you're making up for employers that are really, really paying extremely low salaries. Uh, your example is Starbucks, where an employee earns $15 an hour that you're not going to tip them. That is the complete opposite extreme what I'm talking about in states that may have a minimum wage around $5 an hour or less that in those cases where the workers are not subject to the federal minimum wage tipping becomes extremely important for those employees but tipping is a brutally difficult thing to figure out because it used to be pretty clear the lines were pretty clear when you tipped and when you didn't. Today It is a real confusion, and I'm sorry I'm a wet noodle, and thinking of merging your finances as a couple or applying for credit together, I'm going to give you my advice straight ahead. When a couple decides to get together, either getting married or they decide to move in together, it is a time that a lot of people avoid steps they should take. And that is, couples are much more comfortable talking about what goes on in the bedroom than they are what's going on in their wallet. And as you go through a process of merging your life either through marriage or through moving in. I want you to know that people come into a relationship with very different histories with money and attitudes about money and the future. And I know this is weird, but relationships are more likely to break down and trust to be destroyed based on what goes on with finances with a couple than virtually any other thing. I don't know if that show called Cheaters is still on bad television, but you know they don't talk about somebody cheating on their finances. It's always somebody running around with somebody else, and that's the drama. But the true drama more often is about hiding a bad history or bad behavior with money or having completely different goals. So when you're thinking through moving forward with a life together with somebody else, whether it with benefit of marriage or not, I want you really to think through the things that are important to you and your loved one, what's important to him or her, and you talk about it, not a conversation. It's like when my kids were teens. You don't have a conversation about stuff. You have an ongoing dialogue. And this isn't about obsessing about money. But it's about getting each of your cards on the table. Figuratively and literally. What's your credit story? What credit cards do you have? How do you use them? Do you owe anybody any money? What's going on with your overall credit picture? Got any debt collectors after you? blah, blah, blah. These are things that people are reluctant to ask and reluctant to discuss, but can be a poison in a relationship. So I don't want you to spoil the romance and the love you have for each other. I want you to talk. And if you have coupled up after you've been out there on your own in the world, working for a while, particularly late 20s or later, you've already established a financial life for yourself, good, bad, and different. I think it's important that each person in a couple or a marriage that you have separate finances, at least for a good while. And you want to be careful putting yourself in a position where you assume that your loved one your partner your spouse that they've got great attitudes and use of money and you add them as an authorized user to one of your cards and next thing you know there's a zillion charges because you thought that they were like you with money but they're not at all So having these ongoing conversations is important. And one of the best ways to start that's the least threatening is to have conversations about what do you want to do? If you were thinking 30 years down the road, where do you want us to be? Where do you want to be? If their goal is to be retired and your goal is just to spend your money, Y'all got something you got to really talk about and work through, but you do it with an ongoing dialogue, and if your attitudes really match up well, over time, you go from having separate finances to having a lot of commingled finances, but important for each of you to have your own credit, and in addition... I still like for you to have your own checking account, your partner or spouse have his or her own checking account, and then you have a couple's account, a house account that you pay common expenses. And each of you, in whatever arrangement or ratio you support, you each contribute to the house account each month. So some people do it 50 50. Some do it based on the earnings of each of you. If one of you earns a lot more than the other, then maybe the one who earns a lot more contributes more towards the monthly expenses. And I know from surveys that a lot of people think it's a okay to have a secret account, to have secret credit cards. And that way you eliminate a power and control issue in a relationship or a marriage But also, I think you have a bigger issue than worried about somebody saying, why are you doing that? Why'd you spend that? You have a bigger thing, and that is that secrecy leads to distrust. And that's why I think you have ongoing conversations. And you lay it out straight with your partner or your spouse, because you don't want money to be a source of tension. Because there's enough else through the cycle of a relationship that can lead to problems. I want you to have joy together, not problems.
0: And Clark is your diligent researcher. Um, Cheaters is still on TV. And they have a podcast, just so you know. <laughs> um, have you ever Karen seen it? And K- I, I saw it years and years ago, yes.
1: So when I was really sick... Few years ago, I was watching uh-huh. it through my illness, and oh, man, gosh. the people who would talk to the reporter—whatever you call it, the guy who ambush him about—you know, we've discovered you're doing P. blah blah blah. Yeah, um, I'm like, what's the upside to talking to the reporter at that time, other than being talked about is always better than being talked not talked about, no matter what the circumstance yeah. is. I've never yep. seen it since that time I was ill.
0: I haven't seen it in many years, but it's still going. They have okay. a website, and you can see where you can watch. Okay, Karen in <laughs> Kentucky says, Should I order a copy of my LexisNexis Consumer Disclosure Report? Do employers look at this report when hiring new employees, and why is this report important?
1: Unless it's morphed. The LexisNexis information you'll see is usually about your driving history or claims history against a home that you own or a home you're thinking of buying. So it used to be called the Clue Report, and there was a Clue Report on your home. There was a Clue Report on your driving, and it was purchased by the LexisNexis people, the, the Clue thing was. And I... There may be additional wrinkles to the Nexus report, but to my knowledge, it is about your driving and your home.
0: Derek in Wisconsin says, I'm looking for a new glass screen protector for my iPhone. The most well-known brand is typically priced at $35 at the local big box electronics store, and that is only for one glass screen. Looking on Amazon, I can easily find a pack of three off-brand glass protectors for $5. Isn't glass glass? I'm all for saving $30, but I could go through 21 of the Amazon glass protectors for the price of one of the big brand protectors.
1: So asking me this question is just not fair because I always buy, I don't buy them on Amazon, I buy them on eBay, but same idea. You can get these off-brand glass protectors specific to your brand of phone really, really cheaply. Now, my problem has been I'm terrible at putting them on my phone. So I have to get my teenager to sit down, sit still for a minute, and put the glass on the phone. Otherwise, I have bubbles through my phone. And I don't know if you buy the really uh, top-price name brand if you're still going to have a problem with those bubbles is you put the glass layer on top of your phone but as far as protecting my phone they've worked beautifully and they've still allowed touchscreen to work really well
0: kitty in california says i've been sending money to a young person i met many years ago in kenya via paypal But my credit union has ended any kind of professional relationship with PayPal, and getting money into the account to send to Africa has become impossible. Any other suggestions about how to inexpensively send money overseas?
1: So I don't know what happened with your bank that they don't want to credit you. They don't want to work with PayPal. But there are alternatives for funding a PayPal account. And in addition, PayPal has... A foreign transfer service called Zoom, X-O-O-M, that is very well respected. And also WISE, which is one of the ones we have listed on our uh, item on money transfer services, is designed for international. They're both very respected. And what I'd like for you to do is when you're sending money to Kenya, and this would be true for anyone else sending money to any foreign country, is look at the rates on Zoom, again, X-O-O-M, and on Wise and see which one gets you the most bang for your U.S. dollar sending money to another country. Uh, The big thing is that we are in the final era of banks still being able to take some of the money along the way of money being sent. From one country to another. And probably within the next year, it's going to be a whole lot cheaper to send money to people overseas versus the methods that we've had to this point. Krista?
0: This is from in Ohio. I got my parents' blink cameras a year ago for Christmas. They love them and they work so well that I got the same system for myself. Two months later, I realized there's now a $3 a month subscription fee. Is there any way around this? If I would have known there was a charge after two months, I definitely would not have bought the system and look for other alternatives. It was purchased on a credit card. Can I still return them two months later to the store since I'm not very happy with my purchase? Thanks in advance. Lewis, your most inspired fan.
1: So I'm really sorry. So the thing to do, the cameras probably are not returnable, but you do have the ability to return the cameras to your parents to give them to your parents and they could have additional blink cameras all within their subscription which is ten dollars per month for all the cameras you have at a location if you can send them back and get your money back from wherever you bought them then look at the wise cams w-y-z-e the wise cams That are very inexpensive, starting at 20 bucks, offer you the alternative of either paying a monthly fee or not, and having local recording only into the camera itself with an SD card. And that is the lowest cost alternative I know. The big thing with all the home security cameras is they're being sold by multiple vendors where the cameras are sold in many cases below the cost of manufacture because the real money is made from the ongoing subscription services. And as I recall, Blink is another service of Amazon. And Amazon is really into selling people a lot of cameras and security technology and then making money from the ongoing subscriptions. I want to thank you for joining us. Please visit Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com for more money-saving advice you can trust.